Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope you are thirsty for some pro wrestling news because we got it here for you today. It is me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And it is me, sufficiently creeped out on Nick using the word thirsty, Robert Karpolis. Thirst trap Nick Hausman over here, everybody. Take your photos now. We got a lot to get into here today on Rumor and Innuendo Podcast Heat's only daily pro wrestling news show. Uh, Before we get to what we're going to be going over here today, stick around for the end of the show. I'm going full Tony Khan here today. I got a huge announcement, everybody. I got a big, big, giant announcement for the end of the show that you're going to have to stick around for. It's pretty, I, I, I think this might be the biggest announcement I've ever had. You agree, Robert? No, but I'm still excited to hear what it is. Because I'm not sure what it is, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm on the hook with everybody else. Oh, I'm going to learn now. in real time. We're not kayfabing at all. I'm very excited to hear what Nick's big announcement is at the end. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We have so much stuff to talk about today. I see this comment here from I Am Cheeseballs Productions. Will you get to Billy Corgan and the CW? I don't know. We got a stacked roster of stuff to talk about today. We'll see. Stay tuned. That might be the big announcement. You never know. Yes, it might be. Well, today on the show, we've got Nick Nimith debuting in New Japan, Tomatonga leaving New Japan, AEW Dynamite, WWE's interest in Camille, Ilya Dragunov's injury, and the major announcement that Triple H is going to be making here later tonight, amongst many other topics. Let's get to it here today. Now, we're going to start with some news coming out from overnight. We'll start with the freshest, hottest news here last night, I guess early morning, whatever you want to say. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling presented their latest Wrestle Kingdom, and the thing that has the world buzzing is the appearance of Nick Nimeth and his brother Ryan. They were brought out. They sat ringside for the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship match, and then after David Finley's victory, you could see Nick and David getting you know at it next to each other at the ringside area. After the show, Nick cuts a promo about how he's coming for that Global Championship, um, and to boot, um, on top of all of this, as we he knew the whole world would be talking about him, his brother Ryan on his YouTube channel uploaded this like video, like short film. I don't even know that I would call this a vignette. I don't know what this was. It was Dolph Ziggler for about three and a half minutes uh, fighting zombies in something called Wanted Man that I think built to what is his new theme song at the end by Downstreet. That's just me guessing here. Um, but anyway, a lot of Nick Nemeth news. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Robert? I love it. Uh, Big Nick Nemeth fan. uh, Worked with him since his first day on the main roster when he was Kerwin White's caddy. So go way, way back with with Nick. And the nice thing about seeing Nick in New Japan is he is a guy who has made no secret that when he's fatigued by wrestling and he's interested elsewhere, he's just kind of going through the motions. And I was really curious to see where his next stop was going to be because he wasn't just going to go wrestle because he has to wrestle. He wants to go somewhere because he wants to do something. He wants to show something to the audience. And I feel like going to New Japan, working with Dave Finley, it's a chance for him to flex a different creative muscle. And I think we're going to see a rejuvenated, revitalized Nick Nemeth. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Man, the guy looks so happy. He definitely looked refreshed. It was nice. I know he's wanted to work with his brother for a long time, kind of in this duo faction. The stars have have finally aligned. Uh, I thought it came across really well. He's a natural fit over there at the moment. And yeah, again, I want to know where this wanted man I felt like a series, whatever it was. I'm just happy to see him use his resources to create something cool, man. This is the kind of content I love to see from pro wrestlers using all these kinds of tools at their disposal these days to, to create these really 
beautiful artistic things to, to, to present to the fans. I just thought it was great. I, I highly recommend, obviously, everybody go check it out. So. It's a brave new world for wrestlers because you have you can film a movie using your iPhone. You have access to editing yeah. technology, special effects. We saw what Mustafa Ali was able to do and what I'm sure was a shoestring budget. We're now seeing what Nick Nemeth is able to do. These guys are getting to show their individual creativity, their passion. And I think the guy who's got to be the happiest about all of this right now is Matt Cardona, who sort of mm. built this new blueprint of I can make more money and make a better living outside of the WWE AEW world. And if more people follow me, there's more money for everybody to be made. Yeah, well, I don't think Dolph's short on cash. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure he's doing just fine. I think Dolph is probably just doing whatever he wants for fun these days. Um, you know, other than Nick joining New Japan, um, one of the other big anecdotes uh, coming out of the show that grabbed me was a comment that Tamatanga made uh, in the post-show press conference about how he's going to be wrapping up with New Japan Pro Wrestling this month. He's moving back to the States. He wants to be near his family, and he wants to work in the States. Um, now, he has worked in TNA Impact before. Um, because they've had a bridge with New Japan. But there's been, you know, look, how much longer can you wait with Tamatanga? Him and his brother both, you can't wait forever. These guys, Gorillas of Destiny, have been top merchandise movers of pro wrestling tees for a long time. Uh, obviously, I think that with their, you know, heritage and their legacy, a spot with the bloodline would be nice. I kind of waited to see what a G.O.D. in the bloodline would look like. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got Bullet Club over in AEW right now. And Tama would be an easy fit to slot with somebody like uh, Jay White. I don't know how 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 I don't know how you feel about Tama Taga, Robert, and where you could see him possibly moving uh, come February. I'm a big Tama Tonga fan. Tama Tonga actually had the very first match when we brought back MLW. He was the big surprise, very first match against Danny Birch. He absolutely blew the doors off that place. And I remember seeing him back then, thinking, "Why the hell is this guy not signed more prominently?" to a U.S.-based promotion. He obviously wanted to do his thing over in Japan. I think the opportunity for him in WWE makes a lot of sense. I would have said the opportunity in AEW would have made sense, except it feels as though Bullet Club might be shifting into a babyface territory, and Tama Tonga is a killer heel. Yes. Um, and by the way, I love dogs here saying that the Tama Tonga's family not directly related to Roman Reigns. That is true, but... Much like uh, how Nia Jax is kind of like somehow acknowledged as part of the family. I know that with their father, their father's Haku, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Their father's, I, there's a, there's a very strong tie there. So I, you are correct to say that they, they are not blood bloodline, uh, but there are very, very strong ties there. I just want to reiterate that point. Thank you for bringing it up. I love dogs. Um, well, the last thing here from New Japan Wrestling before we get into some AEW Dynamite stuff was a, uh, you know, just one of the stars, TJP, former WWE star, uh, MLW guy, now uh, the three-time IWGP junior tag team champion. Uh, he celebrated his win out on the town with Manny Pacquiao, which was, uh, I just wasn't expecting that one. Just sort of throw that one out there, Robert. Good for TJP, who just had his second child. So congratulations to him on that, him and his wife, Nikki. Uh, good friends go back a long way. Manny Pacquiao is always sort of circling around wrestling, I'm surprised WWE really hasn't used him more given his influence on a global basis. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, again, like it's kind of like when uh, I guess like Ivar called out Goldberg for retirement match. It's just like anything you could do to kind of lift your profile. Right. When you're moving up the ladder. And I just thought it was a that was a cool move. Definitely got some attention for uh, for TJ there. All right. On to dynamite. Let's start off with your favorite topic here, Robert. 
the story of the devil. Now, we got our first address from Adam Cole and the undisputed kingdom at the top of AEW Dynamite. Um, I'll go first, and then I'll let you then I'll let you speak your piece. It didn't grab me from I, I thought the entrance was cool. I thought the music was cool. The moment that Roderick Strong did the Adam voice and like the yep. funny baby face Adam way, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what are we doing here? These guys are supposed to be the hottest years in wrestling. You say Adam or you don't say his name at all. Right. You are now a heel. OK, you're not some goofy comedy act. And then as far as like what Adam said or Adam, uh, I just thought it was really flat. It just, you know, it's it lacked some bite to me, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Robert, how'd you feel about the initial outing here of, of the new devilish faction? I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the Roderick Strong piece. As soon as he said Adam and the crowd popped for it, I thought, what are we doing here? I thought yeah. that part of the narrative of him and the kingdom being goofballs was to throw everybody off the scent. That obviously these guys that are such clowns that are doing this pandering nonsense are not evil, sinister monsters trying to destroy everything. Adam Cole giving his heel manifesto was an odd way to open the show when you have a new world champion in Samoa Joe. I know they played pre-recorded comments from him from World's End. This should have been the coronation of Joe. The fact that Adam yeah. Cole's big feud, I said this going beforehand, his big feud was going after MJF. Well, guess what? In one night, you eliminated Max. You have nowhere to go. So he just started saying, well, these guys are the tag champs, and now this guy's going to go after this title, and this guy's going to go after this title, and oh, by the way, Wardlow's going to win the world title and hand it to me, which I don't know if he watches the rest of the show. It's kind of Christian's gimmick. Yes, it's it, it is. It, I thought the same thing where I was like, we just saw this, right? A lot of people nitpicking the Wardlow aspect of it as well. There was just a lot of things here that just didn't click to me. Now, I don't dislike Jay White as his first kind of opponent, but Jay White like has been just floundering here for a while. You know, like if they'd have booked him and Bullet Club even relatively strong, I, I would be more into it. But it, I here's what I will say. About last night's Dynamite. Last night's Dynamite definitely felt like they were trying to reset the table for 2024. They wanted, to, they wanted to do some things. They wanted to go in some new directions. This is the direction they've picked. They've included the acclaimed into it. Uh, they're going to move forward with it. I like the group of people involved. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Speaking of reboot and picking new directions, uh, Mariah May made her in-ring in debut. I thought she looked really good against Queen. And for what it's worth, the in-ring action on last night's Dynamite was some of the best televised pro wrestling I have seen in a while. I thought that everybody showed up and showed out. I thought the women here, Mariah and uh, Queen Amanita, they had a great match. I thought Orange Cassidy, Dante Martin, I thought Takashita and Darby Allen all really brought it from an action standpoint on the show tonight. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. I think this right? was the kind of focus you want to see with AEW, which is you're telling your storylines moving forward, the in-ring product, was extremely solid while also continuing to tell storylines. I think Mariah May's debut, she looked really good. There was a couple of moments where she did some sort of babyface tendencies, looking at the crowd for approval, which she's got to pull back from, especially if her post-match promo was, oh, I'm disgusted that I'm here in New Jersey. But yeah. that'll come over time. But yeah, she walked out there looking like a star, and afterwards she looked like an even bigger star. 
Yeah, 100%. And then after Mariah May's match, out came uh, one of the hottest free agents in pro wrestling, Deanna Perrazzo, in Jersey, where she's from. Huge reaction. I thought that uh, her and Mariah really sold this segment very well. We've all been really clamoring for a, a women's feud in AEW that I think people can sink their teeth into. And I thought this was a very good start to the Tony Storm Deanna Prazo feud. I think having Mariah May as this kind of hinge in the middle that can feel kind of a certain way about both people and kind of throw a wild card into it. It really set the framework for what I hope is a really good female feud for the company because they kind of need it. I, I just I thought it came across very, very well. Came across strong. Deanna Prazo, there were rumors whether she was going to wind up in AEW, WWE. Clearly, this was another big get for Tony Khan. He's able to, to bolster that women's division even further. And Mariah yeah. May being the obstacle for Deanna to get to in order to get to Tony Storm. That's a fun story for a little while because we're still a couple months off from the next pay-per-view. Yes, we are. The next pay-per-view is not until March. So we've got some time here to let things sit and simmer and build. And, you know, that's why I'm just trying to point out that, you know, while I don't love how kind of forced some of the stuff felt on the show, because, again, you know, New start of the year. We're, we're setting the pieces in motion for, for new storylines that we want to have for 2024. I like a lot of the people involved in in what is going on with a lot of these programs, and, and I'm remaining optimistic. And and I, just to be clear, really just like the setup for, for Deanna and Tony. Um, one thing I would be remiss if I did not point out is the absence of Chris Jericho on last night's Dynamite. Uh, PWInsider.com reported that Chris was backstage, didn't know if he'd be used, Wound up not being used. Obviously, this past Saturday at World's End, he was met with NDA chants and a lot of and a loud chorus of, of boos. Tony Khan was really unable to clearly uh, answer the questions uh, that are going uh, uh, about the allegations going against Chris right now. I was very interested to see how they were going to handle tonight with Chris if they were going to push through or he wasn't going to be on the show or whatever. Still, a lot of questions to be asked, especially about how this is all being handled. I just wanted to point out Chris was not on the show last night, which I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Narratively, there really wasn't an opportunity to use Chris because the storyline that he was in for the last little while was this golden jet story. And now you have Kenny on the shelf and him and Sammy seemingly finding their footing as a, a duo again. And right. then they just weren't there. There was, there was not an opportunity for them to address anything. It doesn't seem like Ricky Starks and big bill were at the, the show. I didn't look at the rampage spoilers, Right. Uh, but they, they were not mentioned. I mean, they brought back Private Party uh, to bolster up your tag division. And even Private Party doesn't mention the tag champions. They're like, like we want to go after FTR. We want to go after the Young Bucks. No one's talking about the tag champions or the tag titles. So I don't know if the idea is we're going to get to that when we get to Sammy and Chris going up against them. I don't know. <laughs> that whole segment, the Private Party thing. By the way, highs and lows, and I like Private Party a lot. I think they're very, very talented. But that segment just seemed kind of, it was meandering. Everyone was just kind of, stand, there was like eight people just standing in the ring that didn't look like they know what knew what to do or how to react. It, it felt very, uh, of everything else on the show where I felt like, again, like you look at Mariah and Deanna, polished, stood their ground, really sold that segment. The, pri the Private Party address really kind of, I don't know, kind of could, felt a little odd to me. It felt very pushed. That was a part of the show that felt very forced to me. Oddest thing for me was Hangman Adam Page, who oh, we God. talked about yesterday, how he was not really focused on what happened with the devil thing. He shows up rightfully angry at Adam Cole and what happened. 
about an hour and a half after they were already on television. So maybe he didn't know what time Dynamite was this week, but he's like, I'm here and I'm going to beat up the devil. You kind of had your chance at the beginning of the show because like eight other people went out and did it. And somehow this has just led them back into we're going to get another round of Swerve and Hangman. Those guys obviously had a hell of a match to close out 2023. But I've seen some folks online point out there's not going to be a, a, a there has to be a winner and someone's got to win. Someone's going to have to lose. And both of these guys are in a position where they can't afford to lose a feud. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with that. And I'm glad you brought up the Swerve and Hangman stuff because. Uh, a lot of people very, very excited that these two are back on the same page. I think this is a few people wanted to, to see, you know, continued on. Um, Swerve felt very cooled off after World's End, and this immediately put him back in the main event picture. Adam Page has consistently brought some of the best work out of Swerve in AEW. And again, like how they got to this point, how we kicked off 2024, I feel like, yes, some things were just kind of forced and pushed, like here's where we're going. But I like the pairings. I like the people involved in a lot of the programs. We do have time until revolution, and I hope we get to let it, these things a chance to simmer and, and grow. All right. Now we are going to dive into a rather meaty um, WWE block here to uh, to wrap up the show. Um, First you're so saying thirsty, now meaty. This is it's It's got overtones, Nick. It's a little. <laughs> I'm just assuming it's because it's lunchtime, and all you're focused on is another Chicago-style dog. Oh, man, I love them dogs, uh, guzzling glizzies. You know, we will go from uh, rumor and innuendo to thirsty and meaty at some point. That seems like a pretty good name for the show. No comment. All right. <laughs> WWE block. So I had a pair of exclusives yesterday. We'll start with the first one. Um, this one was the more popular of the two exclusives. Really got passed around, got a lot of people excited. Um, and it has to do with former NW. I guess we are going to talk about the NWA a little bit here today. Finally. So what is so we're so all right, so NWA and the CW, let's go. Is that I'm sure that's the story, right? The story is NWA the CW. I have no idea if, if if any of the NWA and CW stuff had anything to do with the decision that Camille had to leave the NWA. Oh, Camille. Yes. Uh so that is where we're at. So this is about former NWA women's world champion, fifth longest reigning NWA women's world champion of all time, Camille, one of the biggest stars that the Billy Corgan era of the NWA has really produced, truthfully. Um, so Camille wrapped up, from what I'm told, on good terms with Billy and the NWA uh, a couple weeks, maybe a month or so before the end of the year is when it sounds like to me she had kind of made the decision she was moving away. Uh, she is now officially a free agent, and I'm told by a tenured WWE source that the WWE is super high on here. She is very much high on their radar. Uh, furthermore, just kind of give you a, a idea of the bigger picture here of what's going on, with uh with TKO and her. Um, now that the merger's done, I'm told TK is in full-on quote unquote acquisition mode. And they are looking for, as it was described to me, fresh talent that can help make an impact. And I got it to mean like an immediate impact. So all of these NIL people, all these little names you're picking up and grooming and stuff like that, that's not the vibe I got the when they say they're in acquisition mode right now, they want people they can bring in that can really get going and I think quick and start to make some, some moves and an impact on the brand. That's the vibe I got from talking to, to sources yesterday. Wouldn't surprise me. We've seen a lot of the NXT call-ups and they've been going full steam ahead of them. We've seen what happened with Ivy Nile and the Creed brothers. They already oh. feel like they're, they're part of the mix. Camille, she has, she has the height. She has the look. She's been working for a number of years. Um, I believe when she when she first came into the NWA, she came in with Nick Aldis in storyline mode. So there's clearly some 
you know, connection there, uh, an opportunity for her to, you know, work with a familiar face. The women's division can absolutely use another formidable force. And I can see her making an impact on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, I, I agree. Camille, very, very talented. Um, very athletic, great look. Um, I have I have high hopes, like many people, when they heard the news about Camille. The other exclusive I had was about Ilya Dragunov. Of course, he was supposed to compete in the main event of New Year's Evil against Trick Williams. Uh, that didn't happen. It turned out to be Trick versus Grayson Waller, Battle of the Iron Survivors. Um, but I'm told that the decision to pull Ilya was not something that was like a long-term plan. It happened over the weekend. Uh, they said that he's injured. It turns out he really is like, I don't know if it was described to me as injured, but banged up. I was told he just is a guy that he rolls hard in every one of his matches. And he went, you know, pillar to post in 2023, and he's just really banged up. So the reason he got pulled from this main event was because he just didn't feel fully healed yet. Feels like he needs a little bit more time to heal up from 2023. Not exactly sure when he's going to get back to action, but, you know, it sounds like that just to give everybody some idea of what's going on with Ilya, that's that's the fuller scope of the situation. Sounds very similar to what they were doing with Xavier Woods, where they said he's not injured, but he's banged up and they're letting him heal. I think they're getting wiser about the fact that you let some of these guys take their foot off the gas a little bit. You let them get healed back up. They're going to be a lot more productive when they return. And NXT didn't miss a beat. They used the old Vince McMahon edict of if we can't deliver the main event. We'll give him something bigger. So not only did you bring in Grace and Waller, but you also brought in Kevin Owens and you further that storyline. So really happy about how they how they used it. Hopefully when Ilya comes back, he's uh, super healthy. I, I think Shawn Michaels loves the chaos. Every time he gets asked about like being thrown curveballs and stuff, he really like seems to kind of enjoy that aspect of pro wrestling because there were this was not the only major swerve uh, on NXT, right? The main event got changed, and then of course uh, Dragon Lee got pulled at the last second because of passport issues, and they had to bring in Carlito. So they were dealing with some stuff on the fly. But I think Sean likes that. I think Sean enjoys being in that spot right now where he's being thrown stuff all the time, and he gets to creatively kind of fa find ways to work around it. It keeps him on his toes, keeps him nimble. And it's nice to have such a deep roster and so many levers that you can pull that you can replace them with a Carlito or you can replace someone with a Grayson Waller and the crowd's just going to be thrilled with what they get. Yeah. Um, well, um, tonight, hopefully fans get what they want. Uh, Triple H has a major announcement to make. And uh, speaking of rumor and innuendo, man, it was going into overdrive in the last two days about what is going to be this major announcement. Now, the thing that everybody seemed to convince themselves about within that 48 to 72 hour period was that because Trinity is leaving TNA, maybe going to WWE, but also TNA is now calling their pay-per-views premium live events, but also, also TNA plus is going to be on Endeavor streaming, which is owned by Endeavor, which owns TKO, which owns WWE. Well, I have some bad news for you if you were expecting something to go on there between the two sides. As PW Insider is reporting that Triple H's major announcement has absolutely nothing to do with TNA, and they don't want anybody to get too excited about that idea. Mm. Damn. There you go. End of a end of a end of a rumor. Squashed it right there, Robert. The amount of times that we have circled the WWE acquiring TNA is uh <laughs> we're we're almost in the double digits at this point. And I personally I would love to see that happen just because. I would love to see what WWE does with that library because there are a lot of hidden gems in there that people probably didn't see because people were not watching Impact for a number of years. But a lot of their roster had a lot of really you know major moments in TNA. 
it'd be kind of fun to see if they ever got a hold of that library, what they could do with it. But that's not the case. TNA also supposedly in spending mode. They're trying to make acquisitions. They're rebranding. I'm curious what Hunter's big announcement is going to be. I doubt that it's going to be, you know, this monumental earth shattering thing. My guess, I know nothing. Maybe they're announcing the location of like SummerSlam or something. Well, they did the Money in the Bank announcement this morning. Uh, yes, that alert, was the, that's what threw me off. I thought maybe that was going to be it, and then they announced it. So where's Money in the Bank going to be? Uh, Money in the Bank will be at Toronto, three-day event. Uh, interestingly here, and it is on their run sheet, I'll bring it up now, though. Uh, the three-day uh, three Money in the Bank event will be in Toronto. They're going to do SmackDown Friday, Money in the Bank on Saturday, and then NXT Heat Wave on Sunday, which is, I think, the first time. It may not be, because I'd have to go back and look at how I'll put it would have been very rare for them to follow up a main roster premium live event with an NXT premium live event. And I thought, I think that it's just a really good way to elevate NXT and, you know, follow up on that tale of fans who maybe want more action that weekend. I just wanted to note that for everybody. It's possible. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm curious what it, look, it has people excited to want to tune in to a Peacock fluff presentation. Uh, they, they look, they took last week off. They let their, their wrestlers get a chance to spend the holidays with their family, which was fantastic. They came out guns a blazing this week with Monday's show being a branded raw NXT being a branded show, SmackDown being a branded show. I think yesterday they did like the best of the bump. So they're trying <laughs> something here. Every they're doing something every day to make this week feel important and impactful. So I like that the, 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 I saw the TNA rumors, that was that that got kooky in a hurry, but you know, these things happen. Well, and I think with the best of the bump and the special, it definitely feels like they're trying to um, deliver for Peacock. I'll put it that way. And you can draw your own conclusions from there, but they did a lot more stuff like this when they had the WWE network and they really pulled back on a lot of these kinds of specials and stuff like that when they made the move to Peacock. So I don't know if this is like a conscious thing where we want to go back to just doing kind of network style content that people seem to gravitate towards, or if this is some kind of, hey, we're we're getting we're getting within two years, I think, of uh, re-upping our streaming rights with uh, Peacock. Maybe we should start giving them a little bit more, just to remind them how how valuable that WWE content is. You know, and my thought. I love it, but if that was really their their mo, maybe they would have recorded the Madison Square Garden show. Ah, uh, I okay. So the garden thing's different. I think that the garden thing is just trying to keep some allure on house shows. I yes. think that by not televising or airing the Madison Square Garden show and making it feel like, man, house shows are still really important, it sends this like broader subliminal message to everybody about other house shows. You know, it's very possible. But counterpoint to that, you could have filmed at the very least, the CM Punk match, done this as CM Punk's first return, turn it into a little package, put it up at a, at a later point in time. It doesn't matter. I like them using the uh, the Peacock uh, option. I like that they had that flexibility with WWE Network. They can come up with a lot of interesting creative stuff to create some kind of buzz. I'm sure we'll talk about Hunter's big announcement on the show tomorrow Yes, because we're all about big announcements. We are about big announcements. We got one here coming up. I got one more uh, news item I wanted to bring up. Uh, outside of the fact, congratulations, Cody Rhodes, City, the wrestling club, the WrestleMania. 40, good guy, doing good guy thing. Wonderful. Happy to hear about that. You go check out this Logan Paul, Patrick Mahomes. You, you want to follow up? You want to say First something? First of all, about I, I, my hope is that Cody did this before he found out Rock was going to be there, and now he's just like, are you guys kidding me? Like, you get to see me in the Snickers battle, battle royal. Uh, yes. And, yes, the Logan Paul, Patrick Mahomes video is absolutely fantastic because this is why you bring in Logan Paul. 
He yes. gets you this weird mainstream buzz. And Patrick Mahomes, we saw when they gave him the WWE title when he won the Super Bowl, he wore that thing the entire night. Yes. He made that thing so valuable that now there's literally an NFL partnership selling titles. All right. Speaking of championships, one of the most memorable, notable, legendary WWE champions of all time, Hulk Hogan, uh, according to WrestleVotes, is going to be getting a bit of a celebration this month uh, within WWE as it is the 40th anniversary of Hulkamania beginning back in 1983 when Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik to uh, kickstart what was Hulkamania. Now, uh, because of this, new merchandise and collectibles are expected to be rolled out, and a Hogan TV appearance is on the table, but not currently planned. Now, of course, be remiss if I didn't point out that anytime Hulk does anything, he elicits a more than mixed reaction, I think, from the fan base. Um, do you see the value in bringing Hulk out uh, to celebrate the 40th anniversary? Yeah, I think that the it's separating art from artist. Fans grew up Hulkamaniacs. I know I did when I was a little kid. You want to be able to go and celebrate this iconic character. The the complex nature of the man notwithstanding i think that we've we've gone over that him dressed as a pirate that one year uh was is still burned into my brain but if there's an opportunity for wwe to to monetize this and and make it work and use him in a limited capacity to go out there and wave and hopefully not give him a microphone or let him say too much sure let you know let's celebrate the the legacy of the company uh but i i, I don't know they're going to put him in a segment with Punk. They're like, hey, Punk, you signed your soul away to us. You have to do anything we ask you to do now. Go put over Hogan. Come on. Go say something nice. Uh, look, the only reason to bring Hogan out there, the only segment that would be the most engaging is Roman pointing out that he's going to beat his record. I That would be a good use of Hulk. If you were going to, you know, if, if you were going to bring him out to do something, I, I agree. Because Roman is, I believe, about 200 days shy of Hulk Hogan's record, which I think is the fourth longest reign in WWE championship history. Third? Somebody can correct me in the comments. section. Things I don't have off the top of my head. Well, we got Sad. a whole comment section. Hey, you guys got about 60 seconds here to correct me on the record about how long or how whatever uh, lengthy uh, Hogan's reign was. All right, well, we didn't have time for Billy in the CW, but come back tomorrow, everybody. I promised a big announcement, and man, here it is. We are going to have a special guest at the top of the show tomorrow. He is one of the stars of the upcoming Discovery Channel series, Big Little Brawlers. It is Ivar the Micro. Now, uh, I've already watched the screener of the first episode. Robert was given one today. He's going to be able to watch it before we talk to Ivar. Just to give you guys some context on Ivar, Ivar uh, has brittle bone disease, which means that his bones break when he like walks across the street of his own accord, uh, he's broken his bones like 250 times. And his life's goal is to be a professional wrestler. By God, Robert, I cannot wait to talk to this man tomorrow. After two lawyers in a row as our guests, I'm thrilled to have uh, this. I'm really excited to talk to him. Excited to watch the screener in advance. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and it'll be interesting because this feels like potentially the foray for Discovery to get into the wrestling business. Yes, and that's top of my list of questions here. Is I want to know from Ivar, how would you feel about being the bumper before or after AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays, right? What does he think about the rumors that if WWE goes to TNT or TBS, AEW could wind up on Discovery? 
lot to get into here tomorrow. All right, everybody. Well, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please, if you like the show, like I say every week, go over to your favorite podcast platform. Leave a nice comment, a nice rating, a nice review. We really appreciate it. It helps push us up the charts. And I can't believe this. I had to send Robert a screenshot of this this morning. In the United States Pro Wrestling Podcast uh, list, we are currently the 12th podcast. We are two spots away from being a top 10 pro wrestling podcast in the United States. That is insane. And you can help push us over the limit. Let people know this is the show to talk to or listen to. We're going to give it to you straight, whether you like it or not, every single episode. And uh, and we really just appreciate that support. Uh, I'm at Nick underscore Hausman. You can find me over at houseofwrestling.com. More importantly, Nick Barry in the lead. We are the number one podcast in the Czech Republic for are professional we? wrestling. Yes. Yeah, so thank you to all of our fans in Prague. Uh, so on behalf of the meaty Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.